You are now tuned in to the December 26th podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Hey, 26er family, welcome to another episode of the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and I have some news. The December 26er community is made up of entrepreneurs, creatives, intrapreneurs, and everyone in between. But no matter the title, we know this past year has been a period of adjustment for all of us. We've all had to find new ways to connect, shift business strategies, and change the way we go about our work and daily lives. We know it has been a lot. So DeMarcus and I decided to take a break from our usual interviews and instead just see how folks are doing. So for the next few weeks, we'll be featuring a limited series called The Check-In. With each new episode, I'll be circling back with a former guest to discuss how their life has evolved over the last 12 months and just see how they're coping. The check-in starts now with none other than our very first guest from 150 episodes ago, CEO and founder of The Gentleman's Factory, Jeff Lindor. So let's see what he's been up to. Jeff, welcome back to the December 26th podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so- Thanks for, thanks for being here. I'm excited too. So look, I went back because I knew like kind of the time you were on the show, obviously, but you were our very first interview that we did. You know, we had done some solo episodes with just me and it was episode it, episode 15 and it <laughs> dropped on April 10th, 2018. So oh, almost like just about three years ago, which is crazy that It's been that long and we've been at this that long. So it seems apropos that our first sort of one year of COVID check in is is with you. How have you been doing? I've been doing really well, you know, and then wow, man, I mean, so much has happened in those three years since our last conversation. So I have to go back and listen to it to see where like what was my current state of mind, you know, so. uh, Right. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, you know, so um, a lot has happened and. You know, I'll get into that. I mean, uh, throughout the throughout the show. You know? Yes. So we want people to go back and actually listen to your episode. I, I remember you being super excited about where the Gentleman's Factory was was headed and had a lot of things on the horizon even then. Uh, but for those who are not familiar, explain to people what the Gentleman's Factory actually is. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, so we started out initially as being this like co working social club space for. Black men. And, um, you know, it was really with the intention of just creating spaces for us because, you know, those spaces didn't necessarily exist. Right. And, you know, like the more, I guess, progressive and the more accomplishments that you, you know, obtain throughout your professional career, it's unfortunate that the less of you that you see and then you start to believe that there aren't, uh, you know, that like you're so isolated and that there aren't other people doing really great things. But that's a myth. Right. So there's a lot of, you know, black and brown men and women doing phenomenal things, but we're just not in the same spaces. So off of that premise, that's where Gentleman's Factory was essentially like birthed. Right. So we had a nice duplex loft in Brooklyn, which we still have. And then COVID happened, right? You know, so then that's when we had to reshift everything and really kind of see what our main goal was and how do we navigate these new hurdles and circles. Yeah. And before we get there, I, I remember back then you already had membership that was growing. You were doing mm-hmm. events. I was fortunate enough to speak at an event that you guys had yes. done. And, you know, there was a lot 
really popping. But tell me how the Gentleman's Factory evolved from when we spoke in 2018 to the top of 2020. What did that growth process look like for you? It was really powerful because what happened is that when you have people coming together, so much can come out of that, right? So, you know, in... So when we first opened in 2017, our main goal was, hey, like, let's bring guys together. We have a space and let's continue to build from there. So in 2020, you know, in top of 2020, oh, man, like I was about to sign a massive commercial lease in downtown Brooklyn. It was about 16,000 square feet. And it was, you know, costing so much money. But my goal was to, you know, be the like we work for black folks, right? You know, and then we were going to expand physically throughout different parts of New York City at first. And then we were going to expand beyond. So, you know, I went to London and I was looking at, you know, spaces and interviewing folks, potential partners, and really kind of just getting a better understanding of what, you know, um, internationally looks like in different states. So we were about to like, expand astronomically um, at the top of 2020, you know? So, and I I was super excited about that too. Yeah, I mean, I I remember seeing on social media, even before 2020, like, I feel like you always had an announcement coming. Like you were always (laughs) moving and shaking. Like things were really evolving in a way that was exciting to watch, um, particularly because it was for us. It's curated by us, owned by us. Um, and, and creating those communities where they're really literally safe spaces for us to grow our own businesses and communicate and network and all of that. Talk to me a mm-hmm. bit about when you say 16,000 square feet in downtown Brooklyn, what all I saw was dollar signs, right? Because <laughs> those yep. of us who are up here, we know anything about commercial real estate in particular and what it costs like that. That's all going to look very different, obviously, after we come out of this. But how had you really built up the financial model of the Gentleman's Factory to even be able to do something like that? Well, so the powerful thing is the Gentleman's Factory is a community. So in that community, people tap onto the vision, see is it, see where we're going. And then we curate spaces for, you know, Black and brown men who have the means to really push our vision forward. So, you know, our investor pool is our members, right? You know, so... You know, in that, um, in the top of 2020, you know, we were raising lots of money to, um, you know, put this dream to pass. And yeah, like it was in the millions of dollars, right? You know, especially with commercial real estate and also the build out and really creating this experience, you know? So, yeah, I mean, so we're really fortunate to have a community of progressive minds that you know, believe in our vision, but also believe in the future of community, you know? So in that, they see Gentleman's Factory as that tool and as that vessel to facilitate um, growth um, within our neighborhoods, plural, not just Brooklyn, but all throughout the world. So it's beginning of the year, you have these plans like ready. I presume at that point, the lease was pretty much negotiated. Mm -hmm. You know what direction you're headed in. Um, we start seeing these reports, right, of <laughs> something yep. happening. And I, I remember professionally being in these conversations about like, OK, what's the plan if this thing takes hold? And when we said take hold, like we really meant like for two weeks, like, OK, yep. Yep. so like what's the yep. plan for business continuity and like how is this going to work? 
And I remember just thinking like, wow, this is really, you know, a bit scary. But you look at like the the outbreaks of the pandemics we've seen before this, like swine flu and things like that. It's never taken hold of our entire country. Right. You, you hear these stories of people. So I, I really like it didn't hit me that this was going to be like we were going to be in the house for a very long time until we were in the house for a very long time. Right. <laughs> yep. So for you, what was that moment when you were like, oh, this is serious and this mm-hmm. could really put a halt to what we have planned? So I remember um, it was, I think it was March 11th, I think, right? And I was invited to this private dinner in Bed-Stuy in this beautiful uh, brownstone where actually where Crooklyn, the Spike Lee movie was made, right? And um, in that, you know, there was celebrities there, there were influencers. It was the who's who's of uh, New York City there, right? And in this meeting where, you know, we're like talking about like, you know, the, comp- the, the topic of conversation is, oh yeah, like you heard about this pandemic? Oh yeah, oh my God, whatever whatever right you know what I mean like and then we're laughing and joking about it and then that's when um you know we get an alert on our phones and this is about maybe like 8 30 or so right and we all get an alert on our phones and it says you know the NBA just shut down right and that's when everyone was just looking at each other like oh snap wait the NBA just shut down yo this is serious. So that was the aha moment for me. And I think everyone that was on the table, they were like, yo, all right, cool. You know what? Like, let's really, you know, like, uh, take this seriously. And then um, two days later, you know, that's when like folks were like fighting over toilet paper. (laughs) And I remember when I was at a BJ, like, this is really when I had to make a pivotal decision and also realized how blessed I was and how fortunate I was um, where I remember when I was on, um, remember when I was at BJ's, right? I was on a BJ's line. Um, it, you know, for those who don't BJ's, it's like, they're like, it's like a big massive supermarket in New York city. And, um, you know, then I'm on the line and then a friend of mine calls me and he's like, Hey Jeff, yo, um, the world is about to down. And I know the gentleman's factory is in a really vulnerable state. And I don't know if you're going to shut it down or not or whatever, or Hey, but listen, yo man, you know what? Like my company is hiring, um, for a, uh, chief marketing officer. Right. You know, um, and yo, um, you interested? Right? <laughs> you know? And it was paying, you know, like in the th- like a little bit over three hundred thousand dollars a year, right? You know? And I was like, oh snap, what? You know? So then that's when I had to ask myself the the question, what's my purpose in life? And one, I then said, Wow, you know what? I'm honored that I, you know as like the world is in a compromising state, opportunities is coming on my behalf. And I now have a, and I have to make the decision, hey, should I, or should I take this? So it's like, I built up such an option pool, which I'm like, oh, wow, like I'm really humbled by that. But then as I um, thought about it though, I then said, no, right? I thought about it while I was on the line. So (laughs) the line was long. So for maybe, you know, like, 30 minutes as I'm on this line, as people are fighting over toilet paper, I'm thinking, yo, what, like, how do I want my life to be? How do I want my legacy to be? 
And then I called them back and then I said, no, man, you know what? I'm going to ride this through. You know, I've built this company and this concept. And I wasn't thinking about myself, but I was thinking about the members, you know, um, uh, um, that are part of the Gentleman's Factory, the community. How are they going to be going through this, you know, pandemic? And do I cash out or bail out? on the community that supports me, believes in the vision. And then that's when I doubled down. And then later on that night, you know, I built my um, virtual model and the rest is history. So what was the conversation? Because I know you're married. What's the conversation you were having with your wife, right? Because there's like very real questions to be asked about like, are our members going to continue to pay like their membership fees? What does this look like for us? You have an investment pool, yes, but also you have revenue. So was that a conversation with, uh, from a family perspective to say, you know what, I'm doubling down and how do you feel about this? Yeah, well, so, you know, shout out to Deborah, right? Because um, she was on the line with me too, right? You know, so, mm. so like... I so I stayed on the line and then she just kept on coming back on the line to hold our spot. So she would just pour things into the shopping cart as as you're like, I guess she was fighting off the toilet paper. <laughs> um, and, you know, so then now as we're approaching and as I'm like in my deep thought and then as I made my decision um, internally, you know, I then spoke to her and then I asked her. Her take, and then she also agreed with me. She was like, "Nah, Jeff." She was like, "Jeff, you want to wear suits every day again?" You know what I'm saying? She was like, "That's not you, right?" And then also too, she said, "You know, like look at what you've built, and no, like continue building." And then because of that, and because of her support, I then so I was already all in when I resigned from my full time job. You know, and then that was. Um, like three years prior to COVID. So I was already all in. And now during the pandemic, I doubled down and I was like, oh, nah, like I'm all in. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then, you know, that's where, you know, I then continue to build and, you know, here we are today. So what does the virtual model look like for the Gentleman's Factory? Yeah, I mean, so immediately what I did was I then sent out an email two Gentleman's Factory members, and I said, hey, let's figure this out together, right? Because we built such a community of folks whom we would see every single day. It was like, uh, you know, it was this brotherhood that we've established, right? And nobody knew what what was going on. So then that's when, you know, like I sent out an email and then I put out a survey and I was like, yo, what do you want to know about? Like, how should this look like? Right. And based upon the data that I collected, that's when I built like the first iteration of a virtual model. Right. But then again, also at that time, like we were thinking that this was two weeks, three weeks. Right. But as it continued to evolve, you know, that's when we were like, oh, snap, yo, you know what? Like, I need to really, you know, double down on this more. And then I have an amazing team that like helped build this out. So what we then saw was the growth potential. So we started out again as a community space in Brooklyn, Duplex Law. And now with this virtual community that we built, we saw that we were getting members um, in different states, you know? We're like, oh, snap, okay. Cool. Um, and then, you know, we then uh, would continue to survey focus groups, interviews. Hey, like, what is it that you're looking for? Like, let's build this together. True community. And then um, we would have members in different countries now. I'm like, wait, um, Ghana? Wait, London? 
right? Parts of the Caribbean, St. Lucia. Okay, no doubt. And then that's when I'm like, oh, snap. Okay, cool. Like we would have all all of these different events. There's different time zones now. What am I going to do? Right. So all of these different, you know, great problems that we had. And then what I then saw was, wow, like if we were able to get all of these new members on Slack and then we're using Slack and Zoom and things of that sort, then that's when you know, I was like, oh, wow, you know what, like we need our own app and we need our own technology. And I'm proud to say um, that today, you know, we have our own app that's on the app store and um, it's a digital robust, um, you know, community where we now have members, you know, hundreds of members um, literally all across the world. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm really happy about what we've built. And then we also have a very, a powerful um, physical model that we're going to be rolling out um, in the coming um, uh, months, right? So, you know, things have definitely evolved because we put community first. So thinking about that physical model and, and thinking about, you know, what economists are saying and what the real estate experts are saying, particularly in metropolitan areas about how all of us have adjusted so well to being productive mm-hmm. from home, that office space uh, a will not people will not purchase or lease office space at the rate that they did before. Right. Mm-hmm. It'll probably the value of it will probably go down and what it costs per square foot, because now we've all just like we're in our cocoons in our homes and finding ways to engage uh, via technology. Are you now pivoting away, even though you have this plan for physical connection as well? Are you now pivoting away from large commercial space? Yes and no. So what we've learned was the physical space pre-COVID was the model, right? Post-COVID, physical space is the tool, but community is the model, right? So now, as we're continuing to evolve, what tools do we need to set in place to continue to build community? Now, you know, what I found from a business model standpoint, and also from a, wow, you know what, like, how can I have Gentleman's Factory be a institution that outlasts me, outlasts my children, outlasts my children's children? Um, and, you know, um, I realized that last year, you know, I was paying my commercial lease and my landlord is amazing. You know, God bless him. Um, but, you know, and then thankfully, you know, we were in a financial position to continue to pay. Um, but then I was like, wow, you know, imagine if we, you know, all of that money that we paid, that it went to something that we own. Mm. So then, you know, um, I now have a, um, chief operating officer who's a trillion times smarter than me. Uh, and, you know, I built a robust team. And now we were saying, yo, you know what, like, how do we build this as an institution? And um, so now with our model is we're going to be owning our locations as opposed to leasing. And, um, you know, when we say owning, we're owning it um, with the community as our angels, right? So now it's a massive wealth expansion opportunity because we're now opening up our investor pool, our real estate investor pool to General's Factory members. So General's Factory members are actually investing in our real estate. And as we expand, so does their investment portfolios, right? 
So um, in that, you know, like um, wealth creation, uh, group economics is really important. Um, and we now see that will with our, you know, like, and I'm not going to give all of the secret sauce. We can talk online with that. You know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, we're going to be making some um, major strategic moves um, in New York City, in different parts of the country and the world. Um, now that, you know, we have, um, you know, um, tons of digital members, um, we're now going to, you know, put um, physical locations in those spaces. And the members now are the ones that are investing in these spaces. So all in all, our um, real estate portfolio is going to be one um, for the ages. And we also see that as a way to build an institution that will outlast us. So he who owns the land makes the rules. So we want to make sure that wherever there's a gentleman's factory, you know, flagship space there, that um, we own it and we now, you know, know the direction is it that we're going in because no one can't tell us nothing because we own it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So like that's kind of like, you know, our our new directions. And then, you know, there's going to be a lot more to come out of that in the coming, um, you know, months. So, you know, I've been hearing this concept of COVID fatigue where people's productivity, it just has decreased just by virtue of staring at a screen for the majority of the day, trying to manage different challenges um, in terms of working from home, et cetera, the news cycle, all of it. You seem to have not only double down, but maintain uh, maintained a consistency with regard to focus on the business and growing the business and all that. How have you been able to maintain despite everything that's going on around us? It's just understanding your community, knowing your community, asking the community, what is it that you want? You know, I think that there, like, there is not a there there are not enough spaces that speak specifically to the unique experiences of black and brown men so in that with the information that we have with the data that we have and with the community that we've built we know what our members and what the broader community of black and brown men need so that's our secret sauce Right. So if someone wants to duplicate what Jones Factory is doing, sure, but you don't know what men need and want. Right. So you can look at our model and say, oh, yeah, 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 let me do that too. Right. Do you understand what men need specifically with the men that we cater to or our brand or the, our member pool? These are men that, you know, they have disposable income, right? You know, they also are married or looking to settle down or no, but nobody speaks to them because everybody thinks that they're great. Oh man, you are a black lawyer? Oh snap, yo, you're the most successful person I know. Yeah, congratulations that you passed the bar and that you went to, you know, uh, um, NYU Law. That's great, but that's not it for you. What is it that you really want? You know what I'm saying, right? But society says, who cares what you want, right? Who cares how you feel? You know what I'm saying? You make $175,000 a year, shut the hell up, drive your Benz, and that's it, right? You want more? Why do you want more? So we 
um, understand that our members of Black men um, are tired of surviving. Yeah, I survived. Like, you know what I'm saying? How do I thrive? And that's where, and then that's what we focus on. So yeah, so the survival point, yeah, you bought a house, congratulations. You don't all, you no longer live in the hood. But what is it that you really want? That's what we focus on, you know? And it sounds like, you know, you are investing in community, but also investing in yourself because you're a black man. So yeah. it, it, I could see how focus, focusing on this and being so entrenched in it is also feeding your own spirit. Because <sighs> I will tell you, I haven't spoken to a lot of people um, in the last year who are like, when I say moving in the way that you are moving, most are like, <laughs> I'm hanging on by a thread. I don't have anything left to give. I'm just trying to get through every day. And you're really bringing to this conversation the same energy you brought to the conversation, in the <laughs> which is, is commendable. So I, I think that speaks to not only creating a community that is beneficial to people who look like you, but creating a, a community that can feed you as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so think about it, right? So, so... Last year, so from last year to present day, virtual events and workshops and all of that, like we, um, you know, um, so we've done over um, 190 different virtual events, right? And I was probably the MC or the host or engaged or had some time, or I was an a, a attendee of, I'd say, 85% of them. So can you imagine what I'm learning throughout the process, right? And the way that I lead Gentleman's Factory is not follow Jeff. Woo, look at me. I'm not. Like, you know, so many of the members are so, you know, way smarter than I, you know what I mean? super uh, educated in so many different facets. So I'm learning from them as well. Gentleman's Factory is really the platform to help all of us be a better person, a better human, a better father, a better husband, a better entrepreneur, a better person. And I'm included in that process. So I don't look at Gentleman's Factory of, oh yeah, look at these gentlemen following me. No, I look at the gentleman's factory of, oh, you know what? Look at a community that is thriving together. And I'm privileged and honored to help facilitate that. And gentleman's factory is a platform for us to be the best version of ourselves. And, you know, two things, two things stand out for me. Uh, First, the way that you are garnering investors, right? Because there's so much talk. I've done talks on it about lack of access to capital mm-hmm. for Black startups. Uh, we we are very limited in terms of winning over VC funds to give us money. Mm-hmm. And there are all kinds of, uh, you know, unconscious bias or explicit bias towards what they feel is the viability of Black-led businesses, even though the statistics don't support that bias. Uh, so the fact that you are pooling money from the same community that is benefiting from the gentleman's factory. That's the first thing that I think is incredibly notable. And also you guys have gotten some amazing press, right? From the New York times on down. So how did that come about? Some of the features that you you've gotten along the way in the media. 
Yeah. Um, you know, the so the New York Times article and that was March 16th, I think, right? 2019. That really opened up the world to us, right? You know, it really opened up the world. And shout out to Morgan Jerkins, who was the author or or the reporter. And then she reached out to me because I was featured on another local, um, you know, outlet um, called The Brooklyner. And um, what I'd say to everyone is, you know, um, press is extremely important. And local press and the blogs are very important because it builds up your digital profile, right? So I benefited when The Wing, which is a women's social network space, um, they were raising lots of money, so many investors and things of that sort. But then The Wing was deemed as a space where Black people weren't really accepted, you know? And then that was unfortunately The Wing's downfall even pre-COVID, right? COVID really exposed the holes in like the commercial real estate spaces, especially if you don't own the space. But like just the fact that it was a space that wasn't inclusive to Black folks. So then that's when they were like, oh, like where are the Black spaces? Where do Black people go, right? Um, And then with the Google, and in Googling, there was an article from the Brooklyner. The headline was, you heard of the wing, here is the gentleman's factory. So then that's when Morgan Jerkins, who was writing this big article on the New York Times, was looking and then she found that article. And that's when she, you know, who I love so dearly, was like, yo, listen, right? Like you are doing phenomenal things and I'm going to make sure that you, you know, get the recognition because of what you're doing. So then it came out. It was on the front page in the metro section. It was a full page of full page in the New York Times. And that literally opened up the whole world. So then we've been on CNN, we've been on Bloomberg, Yahoo Finance, um, so many other. And, you know, it just really speaks to the work that we're doing and that it highlights the fact that we need more articles like that, where it's not only the general factor, but it's also just showing the fact that they need more spaces for Black folks to thrive, right? So, you know, yeah, I mean, so like that's really has been like a huge um, benefit to us and which opened up so many different doors for us. Yeah. And I mean, it's you, you, what you guys do is not because people could like look at it on its face and be like, oh, it's just a co-working space. And it's really not that it's, it's so much more than that. I mean, I think it's phenomenal that people understand the value of community and but not just the value of community you can generate wealth by promoting community as well right that, mm-hmm. that's an important thing that i think a lot of people don't understand um mm-hmm. and they there it's hard for them to catch that vision that like oh we can create spaces where we thrive and also create generational wealth at the same time right mm-hmm. and i think that's an important niche that you've captured and and you if people go back and listen to episode 15, you had this vision then. This is not something that you stumbled upon. (laughs) Like you were talking about this back then in that beautiful space we were in, right? (laughs) In Brooklyn, like you you really had a laser-like focus on that. So kudos to you for sticking with it and growing this in the way that you have. And and really, if I may use the word again, thriving in the middle of a pandemic over the last year, that's, that's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I think that when when it comes to business, it's about adding value. Right. 
So what we do is we're constantly seeing how can we continue to add value to a segment of the population that has been under-resourced, undervalued, um, not noticed? And how do we make sure that we empower them but also supply resources to them and also give them a space for them to think, right? And be, because society, because the, because the commonality of our um, community that we've built is that before they open their mouth, society, generally speaking, look at them all the same, right? So Chris Rock said a joke and he said, he's only Chris Rock to the police from five feet away. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because beyond that, they're like, oh, black man, black man, black man, black man, black man, black man, black man. Oh, snap. That's Chris Rock. As you get closer. Right. Mm -hmm. So in that, it's like, you know, regardless of where you went to school, where what are your credentials? Immediately you're seen as a threat. So now that's one of the commonalities that we all share. Share, but now that we all share the same feeling, right, in the same experience, how do we now find commonality within us as a community to lift each one up? So, if I went to Stanford Law School or Stanford Business School and I understand certain concepts, and you perhaps maybe didn't go to college, I can share information with you, but you now are a great dad. And I, who went to Stanford Law School, Stanford Business School, am, um, you know, about to become a father. Stanford Law School, Stanford Business School did not teach me that. You see what I'm saying, right? You know, so now I'm going to learn fatherhood from, you know, someone who may be a blue-collar worker. But now there's no... So just because my status in terms of my LinkedIn profile may be deemed as prime, that does not make you more valuable than I or vice versa, right? So we now look at how do we create community where the pure emphasis isn't only, you know, um, um, income and wealth and those types of things, but it's really how do we make sure that holistically you move forward? So because we have that as a premise, that's how we're able to have such a diverse pool of members where you'll get the partner at a law firm. And then you'll also get someone who just is fresh out of college, but who needs a network to really help push them forward. So our main thing is reciprocity. And because we built our premise on that, that's why we continue to grow in the numbers that we do. And I think you're highlighting something important in that irrespective of socioeconomic status, jobs, sort of where you are in your life, there are certain threads that bind us all together and bind, bind Black men together, certain insecurities, certain questions. Am I being seen? How do I, how do I put good out into the world? How do I succeed, whether I'm trying to succeed at this job, whether I'm trying to get a job, whether I'm trying to be a good husband and father? Um, I think that's important as well because we have sort of moved into a culture of like us versus them, like the black elite. And then it's those other ones over here and we don't relate to each other in a way. So the fact that you are sort of breaking down those barriers and finding the commonalities and, and finding ways in which we feed each other and we can feed each other. And I say we, because what you're doing benefits those black men that are coming home to black women, you know? And, and so there's a benefit there, even though it's the gentleman's factory 
it's affecting our communities as a whole, the work that you're doing. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see what's on the horizon uh, for you guys and to see how you continue to grow. But very important question before we let you get out of here. You get vaccinated or not, right? You, mm-hmm. you We reach herd immunity. We reach some form of normalcy. We're able to return to our regular lives. What's the first thing that Jeff Lindor is doing? So... I'm gonna have a big ass party, right? You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> yo, like Jones Factory is also known for big gatherings, right? So in 2019, we had two massive rooftop parties, and then one of them, you know, we had um, I think it was like 750 black and brown men in our rooftop, right? You know what I'm saying, and uh, just that experience and just seeing everyone just talking and got, oh man, you know what I'm saying? So um, now as the world opens up, we are going to have a massive party in the space that we own, right? And um, as I'm closing on this deal now, just to give you a glimpse of this particular space that I'm saying, this space isn't in New York City. This space is also away from everything. And and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, you, you, you and I, we could talk offline. <laughs> oh, no, no, yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So for those who want to learn more, where can they they find out about joining the Gentleman's Factory, following your events and all of that? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, um, for more information about the Gentleman's Factory, you know, it's on our website, gentlemansfactory.com. You know, um, we have a mobile app that we're going to actually do like a big like press release, an article about that. And then I'm going to do the Steve Jobs um, reveal, you know what I'm saying, with the black turtleneck, (laughs) big screen with the new balance sneakers. (laughs) I'm going to do that in the coming um, um, weeks, you know what I'm saying, as we're, um, so like the app is live now and then members are using it and then it's still, you know, technically in um, beta phase, but um, in that though, like we're going to do like a massive release on that, but, but, but you can, check all of that out on our website, gentlemansfactory.com. Digital membership is there. You know, we have a digital incubator as well where we're incubating businesses. So there's a lot that we're doing. And then we're going to continue to evolve because again, our main premise is what does our community need and how do we continue to add resources, add value and help take them to the next level? So the form that that takes, there's so many iterations that will come out of that, right? So, you know, we're... um, just getting started. And then we're here to stay. You know what I'm saying? For two reasons. One, if I'm, uh, you know, turning down, <laughs> you know, high income jobs, right? Uh, you know, so 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 that shows you that I'm here to stay. But then also, too, with our model of, you know, ownership, that means that Gentleman's Factory will outlast me, outlast my children, outlast our children's children. So we're building an institution um, that, that will be here um, you know, a thousand years from now. So we're, so we're only just getting started. So, you know, the December 26th, your family is cheering you on. Um, uh, and, you. and, you know, we've talked about this show and, and how we're all about, we're all growing together so that when everybody has 
reach the quote unquote pinnacle of success, we can say, you know, we were there in the beginning. Like, yeah. you know, you were there and we were running gun with one mixing board and two mics, right? It's just like <laughs> meeting people and recording. And, and um, yeah. you know, we, I can say that I was, I was there when it was events of like a hundred people and we were just yeah. having conversations. So we'll be watching to our listeners, you know what to do. If you're interested in the work that Jeff is doing and particularly for our brothers, join, get connected. We are better together. So reach out, sign up for membership, attend their events, do what you need to do. If you've enjoyed this episode, you want to learn more and you didn't hear Jeff's original uh, interview, that's episode 15. You can go check that out. But as always, like, share, subscribe, do all the things and remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER. 